Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Well, good morning, everyone. We're in a series called Better. And what we're doing is we're discovering that God's Word shows us how to live a better than normal life. And sometimes we have to let go of the good in order to grab hold of the better. That's what this series is all about. And growing up, I was a pretty picky eater. I don't know if we have any other picky eaters in the church, probably not, but I was a picky eater. In fact, I refused to eat red sauce on my pasta. Growing up, I would only have it if it was buttered noodles or with olive oil, no red sauce. And I would get a hard time for this. What kind of Italian are you? You gotta, you gotta eat the red sauce. I just refused. You know, I knew what I liked and I liked what I knew. And I just wouldn't even try anything new. And people would constantly be saying, you don't understand. It could be so much better if you just tried it. And I'm, I refused to try it. Then one day, as I was getting a little bit older, maybe middle school age or upper elementary age, I was up at my cottage, my grandparents' cottage, and we were having pasta that night, and I was asked if I wanted it, my normal buttered noodles, and I said, you know what? I don't know why I said this, but I said, I'm going to try it with red sauce today. And everyone looked at me in shock, in awe. Okay, they put it in front of me and I took a bite of this pasta with red sauce and I couldn't believe how much better it was than just with the noodles that I never went back to the old way. There was a couple other things I was picky with, like most people like peanut butter and jelly. I liked peanut butter and honey, okay? I refused to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich had to be honey. It stayed this way all the way until I was in high school. And one day I was at a friend's house and we were making peanut butter sandwiches and he pulled out strawberry jelly. And I thought, you know what? I don't know why. It just looked good to me. I said, I'm going to try it. And once again, way better than peanut butter and honey, peanut butter and jelly. I was really impressed. It was better. You know, peanut butter and honey was good. Peanut butter and jelly, better. Then what I loved about being like a teenager is you could eat whatever you want and you burned it off like that and you didn't have to worry about it. I loved eating at Burger King. Don't really do it anymore, but I loved eating at Burger King. And I would always get a Whopper meal. And I would order my Whopper meal, but get this, my Whopper had to be ketchup only. That's how I had my hamburger growing up. That's the only way I would eat it is hamburger with ketchup only. Well, one day when I was a youth pastor, my first year, I was 21, 22 years old, we went on a trip and we all stopped at Burger King. And there was like 60 or 70 of us ordering food and I went and I ordered a Whopper with ketchup only. And she said, well, sir, you know, it's going to take like 10 minutes to get that. We're making, we're pre-making everything. I said, you know what? Just give it to me the way it, it comes. So this was the true test. It had mayo and onion and pickle on it. Tomato. And I put it 
In my mouth, I took a bite and it just burst with flavor and I couldn't believe I had been eating this Whopper without it to the full potential it could possibly be. I was missing out. See, a Whopper with ketchup only was good, but this was way better. See, sometimes you have to give up the good to take hold of the better. Another thing that happened to me is I was a child of the 80s and 90s, and in the 80s, something happened, some technology happened in our world, the birth of video games, right? 1981, the Atari came out. Does anyone remember the Atari? So I remember going over to my grandparents' house, they owned an Atari, and I would watch my brother play Pong for hours. It was like cutting edge technology at the time. It was great, video games. But then what happened? The Nintendo came out. Atari good, Nintendo way better. You had Mario Brothers, you had Duck Hunt. You had some amazing games and just so much better than the Atari. And then it began to progress and progress. One year for Christmas, my parents got us a Sega Genesis. Remember Sonic the Hedgehog playing that the first time? Come on, better. And then when I got to college, the best video game system of all, the Nintendo 64 came out when I was in college. And it didn't have one, not two, not three, but four controllers. Four people could play at a time. This was unheard of. And so in college, we had this four-person multiplayer game we would play called GoldenEye. Don't know if anyone ever played it, but it was like the best video game ever made back in the day. And we would stay up for hours and play this video game, four people at a time, utilizing this technology. One time on a Saturday, I remember I was playing this video game, The sun was out, then the sun went down, and then the sun was out again. I'm like, oh my gosh, I played this all night. And I'm like, I gotta pick Megan up for church. So I did what any, you know, college 18, 19 year old student would do. I called her and told her I wasn't feeling well. (laughs) To which she said, you've been playing Goldeneye all night, haven't you? No. She said, I'll see you in 20 minutes. We're going to church. Can't really remember what happened at church that day, but I was there. I was there. That video game system was so much better. And sometimes we settle for good when we can have better. So it begs the question, what have we been settling for instead of embracing better? And We've been looking at a few verses over this series. In week one, it was Proverbs 17, 12. Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. Week two, we talked about better a dish of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Week three, we talked about better a, tr- a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. And if it's your first time here and you're going, what kind of church is this? <laughs> Go listen to the podcast. I think you'll enjoy those. But today, I want to look in the book of Psalms 
to talk about better part four. And the book of Psalms, Psalm 84, is where I want to start, verse 1. These are the sons of Korah, Levitical priests, who are writing this portion of Scripture, and they say this. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Let's go to verse 10. Here it comes. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Better is one day in God's courts than a thousand. He's saying sometimes we settle for being anywhere else but the presence of God. We give up better for good. But better is one day. You had to understand at the time that this was written, the world was void of God's presence. It was only found in the temple courts. It wasn't like it is today after Christ came, the curtains torn. We can go boldly to the throne of God. We can experience God's presence. We can constantly communicate with him. That back in the day, it was void. And then you got to go to the temple courts to experience God, to encounter him. So this guy is saying, the son of Korah, he says this, my soul yearns for the courts of the Lord. Yearns. That word yearns in the Hebrew literally means grow pale. When do people grow pale? When they're sick. Right, you look, you're looking a little pale. The psalmist is saying, I literally feel sick when I'm not in God's presence. When I'm away from spending time with him, my soul just yearns. It grows pale. It grows sick until I can be with him again. It says, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. That word living God in the Hebrew is translated this. Listen to this. The God who possesses life to the fullest. Nothing short of the Almighty can quench the immortal thirst of our soul. Nothing can. We try sometimes to have that immortal thirst of our souls quenched with other things. But nothing Nothing can, not even Goldeneye and N64 can quench that thirst of the soul because better is one day in God's courts than a thousand elsewhere. He says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Now, what you have to understand about this is the tents of the wicked, it's figurative, but it had everything that appealed to your flesh. Everything that appealed to your five senses, what you could touch, feel, taste, smell, hear. The tents of the wicked offered anything that you wanted to do that felt good in the moment was available there. 
any sin, any pleasure, any violence, anything you wanted that appealed to your flesh was available to you. Which is what a lot of people live for. A lot of people live for what feels good. What feels good in the moment. What I can taste, what I can see, what's tangible right in front of me. That's what a lot of people live for. The tents of the wicked sound pretty good, but the psalmist says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. Now, doorkeepers, you know what they did? They kept the door. I mean, I don't know. They stood at the door and guarded the threshold of people coming in and out. They didn't even get to go all the way in. They could only kind of see what was happening inside. On top of that, a doorkeeper was like a servant. So back in the day, we didn't have nice shoes like we have today. They had sandals and they walked around in mud. And when you went to a party, the doorkeeper got the great job of washing everybody's feet that came through. Washed their feet, got them all ready for the, to go inside. I'd rather be a doorkeeper, stand right on the edge of what's going inside God's courts, washing people's feet, than have a life where I could do whatever I feel like whenever I want to that appeals to my senses and my flesh right now. I want better than that, is what he's saying. It's better to be in God's presence, to walk in his ways than to do what feels good in the moment all the time. Now, some people would disagree with this. Some people would say, I think the tent of the wicked sounds pretty fun. Sounds pretty appealing. It sounds like that's where the party is. It sounds like that's a free life, not bound by rules and regulations. Well, here's the thing with that. I mean, I've talked to many people who don't want to embrace Christianity because they think it's a set of rules, which it really isn't. It's a relationship with God where he's leading us and he's guiding us, and most people have a misconception of what it really is. But people, they stop, they say, I I want to have fun with my life. I have one life to live, and I want to do what feels good. I want to live my life by what feels good. I want freedom. But here's the problem. When you constantly live your life based on what feels good, in the moment, you'll end up down a road you never intended to go down. You see, it is fun to live according to what feels good and according to what appeals to your five senses can be fun. Anyone who tells you it can't be, they're lying to you a little bit. It can be fun to do what appeals to your flesh. But here's the thing, over time, what you thought was fun and what you thought was free turns into baggage and turns into chains. You wake up realizing that your lifestyle of freedom and fun has hurt everyone that you care about. You feel empty, you feel shameful, you feel lonely. And those fun habits are not so fun when they become addictions that you depend on each day to escape reality. The tents of the wicked, what appeals to the flesh, 
can be fun for a season, but it lets you down in the end and makes you feel emptier than you've ever felt in your life. So the version of fun I prefer is to have fun with the people I love, to laugh. People think Christians don't have fun. We have so much fun, and our fun doesn't come with guilt. It doesn't come with shame. It comes with a lot of laughs and a lot of true freedom. That's the fun I prefer. And on top of that, I get to walk closely with my God and enjoy his presence. I've had the luxury of talking to a few celebrities or famous people over time. I've been at a few charitable events where they've been, and I happened to be talking to one of, an ex-Red Wing player one time, and I'm not gonna say his name, but if I did, you'd know who he was. And the first thing that happens when I'm at these golf outings and I'm talking to some people or to some celebrities, they ask me what I do. And I tell them I'm a pastor. And it's always the same thing. Oh, I'm so sorry. If I'd known that, I wouldn't have been swearing as much as I had been this whole time we were together. No judgment here. No judgment here. And then they say, good for you. You know what? Good for you. Same two responses every time. But then they open up. I don't really have to say much. They just start opening up. They start telling me their life. And... This one player, he was telling me that when he was a professional hockey player and they were really good, there was nothing he couldn't have. He had millions and millions of dollars. He said the night before a game, the buffet that they would put out for these professional athletes, there was no food you couldn't order, no alcohol you couldn't drink, no nothing, no food, no beverage you couldn't have. When you went somewhere, someone took care of you. They went before you. You got the best tables. You got the best treatment. You didn't have to ask for anything. It was provided to you. He told me on on some away games, that's when the party really started. They would rent a hotel in a different city, and there would be all kinds of things happening in this hotel. Drugs, alcohol, women, men, whatever. Whatever you wanted, it was there. And we wondered why the Red Wings came out flat sometimes on the road. You know what I mean? (laughs) They had it all. They had it all at their disposal. And this guy said to me, he said, the rules didn't apply to me. I did whatever I wanted. I didn't care about my wife. I didn't care about my family. If it felt good to me, I did it. And I was untouchable. Then one day, he didn't have hockey anymore. He didn't have that celebrity status, that fame. He spent a lot of his money. And all of his relationships had crumbled. Every one of them. He had no one. He was alone. He was now an alcoholic, and he had nothing. And he said this to me. I was surprised. I'm just listening. And he said this to me. He said, you can have that life. I've experienced everything that feels good, everything. 
Trust me, everything. I'm like, okay, I don't need the details. <laughs> everything. And you can have it. I know where it leads, and I'm content now in not doing that anymore. You see, that lifestyle, what we think would be a dream lifestyle, seems fun, and I'm sure he had some fun. But what does he have to show for it? Emptiness. A life full of voids and hurts and shame, guilt, kids that won't talk to him. What does that have to offer? See, people settle for the tents of the wicked. They settle for what appeals to the flesh because they haven't experienced what God has to offer fully. Because when you experience what God has to offer, the peace of God, the power of God, the love of God, God using you, speaking to you and through you to help impact a life, helping someone in need, getting an encouraging word for someone, praying and God opening a door for you, a miraculous sign or wonder. When you experience that, the ten of the wicked, the things that appeal to the flesh, they don't compare to what you can experience in the spirit of God. It's powerful. So the main theme of this message and the main theme of this series really is this. Life with God is better. Life with God is better. So many times we settle for good when we can have better. We settle for what appeals to our flesh when we could have what appeals to our spirit and our soul. See, living in America, you can have a good life without God. You can have everything that appeals to your senses here in America. You can have the money. You can have the fame. You can have it all. You can have the big house and the fancy cars. You can have it. A good life. But why settle for good when you can have better? Because better is a life with God in his presence. See, in Christ, you have forgiveness. Redemption. You don't have to feel guilt. You don't have to feel shame. You're clean. You have eternity. You have access to God's wisdom, to his throne room. You have a supernatural peace when you're going through a very difficult trial or storm. You don't have to do it alone. You have God. You can have a supernatural joy when a world around you seems like it's crumbling. You can have that. You can have access to God's power. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. Amen. As a Christian, we get to live with an awareness of God's presence. I wouldn't trade that for the world. I get to constantly communicate with my God. Constantly. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and 17 says this. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I get to be aware of God's presence and communicate with God continually throughout my day. How many people have a smartphone or any kind of phone? All right. Probably everyone in the room. What do you get to do because you have that device? 
you get to constantly communicate with the people you love. You can text them, you can call them, you can go on social media, you can post things. You get to share your life throughout every day with the people you love. We get to do that with God. Like I love getting up in the morning and spending some time with God and opening up his word and reading it and journaling about it and worshiping and spending some time in prayer, but I also love just constantly including God in my day. Just driving down the road and saying, God, I just thank you for everything you've blessed me with. You're so good to me. And I just pray you would just lead me and guide me today by your Holy Spirit. Who needs you today? Who needs a fresh touch from you? Would you just guide me? I love going into a meeting to just say, God, I need your wisdom. I don't have enough in myself. I need you. Help me to have your heartbeat. Help me to know you in this meeting. Speak through me. God, I just pray for my spouse today. I just pray you would lift them up. You would give them peace, joy, fulfillment today. We get access to God and we get to talk to him throughout the day and he gets to show us things and reveal himself to us. Galatians 5.25 says this, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We get to live a life in tune with the Spirit of God. That's the goal. But here's what's crazy. We can go days, weeks, months, years without without communicating to God. Then we wonder where he is and why he's not coming through for us and why we're filled with doubt and unbelief. We go all this time where he's right here He's got his word available to us with so much wisdom in it. His spirit, we have access to any time we want. Can you imagine what the psalmist would think if he lived today? You guys have access 24-7 to the throne room of God, to his presence, to communicate with him. You have his word. You have this whole Bible. Don't you understand that better is a life cultivating a relationship with God than just ignoring him. But that's what we do. And the truth is, God's looking for people who want to spend time with him. That's it. That's all we have to be willing to do. You want more answers in life? Spend time with God. You want more direction? Spend time with God. You want to know what the next step for your life is? Spend time with God. Yeah, but I need to figure it out or I don't know that he's going to speak to me, so I'm just going to go and go and go. Listen, I understand that we have to move forward and we have to do things and, you know, we have been wired a certain way and, and we got to go after things. But at the same time, we have access to God to his word, to his presence. There's so many answers if we're just willing to be there. Several years ago, 
a group of young adults came to me and they said, Could we use a bill, can we use a room at the church one night a week? We didn't have a young adult ministry at the time. We weren't running one. And they said to me, we just want one room. I said, well, what, do you want, what are you gonna do? All we're gonna do is we're gonna spend two or three hours, just put worship music on, just pray, just read, our, read the Bible and just seek God's face. That's it. That's all we're gonna do. I said, yeah, you can have a room in the church, no problem. And week after week after week, these young adults, sometimes three to five of them, sometimes up to 20 of them, would go into this room, right over here in this side of the building. They'd crank the worship music on. And they would just pray, worship, journal, and read God's word for hours. Sometimes two hours, sometimes three, sometimes four. And one day, one of the young adult girls came up to me. She goes, Pastor Chris, I feel like the Lord has spoken to me about something. I said, okay. She gave me this piece of paper, and on this piece of paper, it was a vision and mission of a new young adult ministry at CCC. She felt like the Lord had put it on her heart to start a young adult ministry, and here was the outline he specifically gave to her of how it was going to be, what the vision was, the mission, and how it was going to meet, and where it was going to happen, and what, how it was going to go. I was impressed. I said, yes. Let's start this. She started in the home of her parents' basement. And it grew big enough where we had to move it out of that house and into the church where we now have a great, growing, vibrant young adult ministry that meets every single week. But it was birthed in the heart of one girl who said, I'm going to pray and seek God and just see what he says to me. See how he leads me. Why did God speak to her? Because she carved out time in her week to keep in step with the Spirit to walk with him. That's all it takes. It's so simple, but yet it's the first thing to go in all of our lives. See, when you have a passion for God's presence, when you desire him, he will use you. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will speak to you and through you. It will happen. I think that's why the psalmist had such a passion for God's presence. He knew he needed it to live life to the full. He said, my soul yearns even faints for the living God. That is passion. And the more you pursue God, the more you want the things of God, the more you want more of him and more of him and more of him. That's how it goes in life. The more we spend time on something, the more we want to pursue it. So the problem is this, we stop seeking God, why? Why do we stop? We stop because the world has things that are tangible, that we can taste, touch, feel, smell, hear, that we would rather do. It's tangible, it's right in front of me, I can do this right now. 
spending time with God, I might not get the result I want right now. It doesn't appeal to my flesh as much. I'm going to ignore that and I'm going to go do something that appeals to my five senses. It's strong. It's a strong pull that we have on all of us. And not all those things are bad things. Golden eye wasn't a bad thing. Well, could be. It wasn't. But it appealed to my flesh. See, the more you pursue the things of this world, the more you crave them, the more you want them in your life, the more you need them to find fulfillment. It was like that with the golden eye when I was a freshman or sophomore in college. It became like this. I played this game so much that when I wasn't playing it, I was thinking about it. I was thinking of strategies, how to get an edge on my opponent, how to be the best at it. In class, pastoral theology, professors talking, and I'm thinking about GoldenEye. (laughs) Strategies. I did pay attention in a lot of my classes, though, just in case you're worried. (laughs) That's what I was thinking about. It crept into reality. I, I would be walking down in Minneapolis and through a park, and I'm like, I'm in an open field right now. I'm vulnerable. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not in the game. But when I wasn't playing it, I honestly got a little depressed till the next time I could play it. That's when I knew I had a problem. That's when I knew it went from a fun, passion, filled video game to borderline addiction, and I gave it up. I let it go. And after about a month, I didn't even remember it anymore. That's the thing about what appeals to our flesh. We think it's so important. We think we can't live without it. We think having it would be the best thing in the world, but yet one month later, when we ignore it, we don't really even care about it that much. But the things of God are eternal. The things of the spirit, the things of the soul are eternal. And you can't put a price tag on them. So if you're saying, Chris, I I want that passion, but I just don't have it. I want to encourage you just to start to pursue God again. Whatever that might be, pick up the word of God. Read a chapter. Ask God what he wants to say to you through that chapter. Grab a verse and meditate on it. God, what do you want me to do with this verse? Throughout your day, just say, God, I'm here. I'm available. I need you. I want a life with you. Lead me. Guide me. Walk with me. And guess what? He will. He will. Psalm 63, 1 through 3 is what the Lord gave me for this church for this moment. That this would be a mantra. Listen to what David, the ultimate worshiper, says in Psalm 63, 1 through 3. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. 
in a dry and parched land where there's no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory because your love is better than life. Your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. That's the kind of passion that I think can be birthed in a moment when a group of people decide to not settle for good, but go after better. I believe that can happen. So we have a choice. God gave us a free will. He really did. He put us in a great country where we have a lot at our fingertips. And he said, you can have good things. You can have them. But you can also walk with me. You can have what only my spirit gives. You can hear from me. I will lead you. I will download my wisdom so much into your mind and into your heart that you will be set apart in this world. He wants to do that for all of us. He says, I want to give you peace when you have none. I love you. And I have a divine purpose for you. All you got to do is walk with me and I'm here. It's the greatest thing about our God. He's not mad that we haven't spent time with him. He's not mad at us. He's just saying, I'm here. You want me? I'm here. I'm available. I've got you. I will lead you. I will transform your heart, your mind, your will. I will empower you. He's right there today. So what I want to do right now is I just want to ask everyone to stand with me. I want to spend a few minutes, just a few minutes worshiping. But I want us to have this picture of God when we worship, just for a few minutes. The God who possesses life to the fullest. Nothing short of the Almighty can quench the immortal thirst of our souls. I want to worship from that position that nothing else in this tangible world can compare to this moment, to what God can do when he is involved in your life. I want to worship from that place, that place of saying, my soul longs, yearns, faints. God, I want you more than anything else. And Father, I just lift you up in this place right now. And we say corporately, we want you more than anything else. We want a people that understand that better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. We need you desperately in our lives, Lord. We need you to guide us. We need you to lead us. We're desperate for you. We want our souls to yearn for you, God. Help us, Lord. 
Help us when the distractions come, when the things that appeal to our five senses come. Help us to still stay in a position of worshiping you and looking to you as the God who can quench the immortal thirst of our souls. You're the only thing that can. We love you. We worship you, Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.